Hey, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being part of Mariner's Church. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors, and it is terrific to be part of this church. It was terrific to see all the kids that, that took off went to camp. I mean, it's, it's a big deal for our summer program and, and for the kids. We had like 80 kids go, and, and it was really cool to see, and it's, it's fun to see you know, the parents as they kind of react to the different, the different things that are going on with their life. Those that are doing the first-time parenting thing, you know, sending their kids off to camp, we have tissues, you know, for them. Those that are experienced that, there's a big smile on the faces of the, the kids. Remember that song that came out a few years ago, you know, Call Me Maybe, you know, Call Me Maybe. Remember that song? There's a little girl that was coming to her mom, and her mom's having trouble anyway, and she gives her mom a kiss, and she said, Goodbye, Mom. I'll miss you, maybe. You know, she runs. She runs off. She runs off onto the bus, and that was and and then and and that was it. So anyway, it's a cool thing that that uh, we're able to do, and we're very thankful uh, for that. And so, be praying for the kids. Um, right now, they're on bus heading out um, up to the Sierras, and um, they'll be uh, a terrific, terrific time. We'll talk a bit more about that later. So I remember the first time I I really saw a train. I mean, not looked at a train, but really saw a train. Remember that? The first time you ever really saw a train for what it was. I was a little kid, and, and my big brother and I went to the tracks. I'm not too far from my house. I remember asking my mom, Mom, can we go play on the train tracks? And she said, sure, why not? You know, so um, <laughs> go, go figure that one. Anyway, we, we took some pennies. We had some pennies in our pocket because my brother had heard that if you lay pennies on a train track and a, and a train rolls over them, that you'll be able to see that the pennies all flattened out. And so we thought that would be really cool to do. So we took some pennies, and, and we got to the tracks, and we climbed up on the railroad bed, and, and, you know, and you look one way, you know, and you look the other to make sure it's all safe. And we, we put our pennies you know, li- lined up on it. And then my brother had an idea. Well, what would happen if we, if we, if we put a stone on the, on the tracks? What would, that, what would that do? No, it was a stone about the size of a ping-pong ball. So, so we, we, we put that on there. And so we put the stone on, and we got back off the railroad bed, and we, we waited to see what's going to happen, you know, and we're going to see if it can knock the, the train off. And, and we waited <laughs> and talked about it and began to feel bad. What if we knock the, you know, the, the, this train off the tracks, you know, and... Have you, have you ever been close to a train going by? Have you ever been really close to it? You actually feel it before you see it. You know, you feel the whole thing going because the whole world begins to shake. And all of a sudden, this thing just comes blaring by, you know. And we stood by and watched this thing just come roaring by. I think I almost wet my pants, you know, as I'm standing that, that close to the whole thing. The, the thing was huge, you know, and massive. And, and I remembered one thing. This thing will not stop for a few pennies or a stone. It will not. In fact, I'm not sure anything could probably stop this thing. And, and I kind of get this feeling, and I want you to get that same feeling uh, when you think about... Um, the mass and power of a train as we talk today and for the next few weeks about something that Jesus says is equally unstoppable and just as big and just as powerful. Um, When you came in today, you know, what did you think you were entering? A building, you know, uh, service, you know, where there's going to be guitar music and and we're going to, you know, tell some jokes and stories. Did you think you were entering into a church? Jesus said this about just this whole thing called church. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What Jesus is saying is this deal I am starting, this movement where people gather in my name because of their new life, it's not just simply an hour that you spend. It's not just simply a building. It's not just something you belong to. 
He said, this thing, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. And it's going to blow through this world and hell can't touch it. Nothing can touch it. And for the summer, we're going to be looking at, at a story, the story of how God started with a little group of guys that were following Jesus Christ, and it became a worldwide deal. Why? It's because it's unstoppable. Nothing can stop it. And we're going to be going through a part of the Bible. We're going to be doing a study of the Bible through the book of Acts, the Bible book that's called Acts. Now, now to place the Bible book of Acts in some kind of a, a, a context or, or where it lands historically, this is just after Jesus' resurrection, the movement that God is beginning through Jesus Christ. And, and because this place is part of it, and, and if you're here, you're part of it, like it or not, and, uh, and it will help us understand really our place. Our place as a church family, as a group of people, our place in our community and, and in, our, in our world. And so we're calling it Unstoppable, and we're calling it Unstoppable because there was a Denzel Washington movie about a train, and I really like him, and so we're calling it that. And, but actually, because it's, it's true uh, about that train as it is about the church, it is virtually unstoppable here. And we're going to take a second, we're just going to pray. Would you, would you pray with me, please? So, Father, right now we ask um, your, your hand and your work in us and in this place, in this time, and not just here, but also um, our lives as we would leave and live and, and go out. And got a special ask for the kids that are going to camp and the counselors. Um, give them endurance and strength and life change. May it happen, Father. We trust you in, in Christ's name. Amen. So the Bible book of Acts actually starts out this way. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And, and some of us are thinking, oh, great, I'm already lost. This is why I don't read the Bible anyway. You know, I read a verse and I'm figuring out what in the world is they're talking about. Who's writing this and, and, and what's he talking about his first book? And the second thing is, who is this guy, Theophilus? You know, I don't know, and so I'm already lost, and we, so we start to kind of let our mind wander to, to what the giants are doing. No, we don't, not them, but we're going to go wander to something else. Well, the guy who's writing it is Luke, and, and he already wrote a book that was included in the Bible. And that book that he already was written was called the book of what? Luke, there you go. So that's not, that's not that hard. Luke wrote Luke, and so we can understand that. And this is now his, his, his second book. And here's how the book of Luke starts, okay? Because we kind of need to understand this guy named Luke. It says this, Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and he's talking about everything about Jesus from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. There's that guy's name again. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Meaning you were taught things about Jesus. And I went back and I did some research and I did some historical looking at this whole thing. And I'm just talking to the eyewitnesses of Jesus. And I'm going to write this book called Luke. So Luke is kind of the first book. The second book is then the book, the book of Acts. I've checked out this guy, Jesus Theophilus, and, and it's true, and, and, and here you go. The book of Luke is all about the life of Jesus, and if you read the book of Luke, you'll find out kind of the beginning, and this has, you know, the, the wise men and all that kind of stuff, and it moves all the way to the end. And Luke ends with this. Jesus is saying this, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus is telling the followers of him, look, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power. Okay, well, what's next, we would ask. 
I mean, what happened to those 11 guys who followed Jesus? What goes on? Do they go back to their ordinary lives, you know, and continue on? You know, what did they do? You know, what in the world happened? And that's why the book of Acts was written to tell what happened to those 11 guys that were followers of Jesus and what went on with this whole thing. And so Luke wrote Luke to help you know Jesus, and he wrote Acts to continue the story. Part one, part two, you know. And usually when you see a movie, you know, part one is really good, and then part two, what? Stinks, you know. But actually, these are both equally good, all right? These are overly good. And so you have to, in a sense, see the second film because it's really not over and it's leaving us hanging. Acts 1-1, again, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, you know, the book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So he's talking about the very thing that he talked about in the end of the book. And what you see is the book of Luke and the book of Acts, they kind of overlap a little bit. It says this, after suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He's not even going to play around with the whole idea, did Jesus rise from the dead or not, is it a myth, is it a story. He just says it happened. I know it did because I talked to the people that saw him. So Jesus is alive, and, and that's that. So what's next? And there's a thread that begins to to form here. And I want us to be able to follow this thread just a little bit because there's going to be an important element that makes this thing unstoppable and what makes you and I have the ability and the power to be, I would say, pretty much unstoppable in what God's calling us to do. Acts 1-4 says this, On one occasion, and here's the overlap, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Wait a second, there's a gift. A gift is, is coming. Jesus says, i got to wait for the gift. Don't go anywhere. Wait, 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 wait for this gift. Well, what is that gift? You know, what is that gift going to be? Is he going to give them a building, you know, a building? You know, so they can find the meat in church. Is that going to be the gift? I read about a church in Minnesota, and a guy gave them, and this is the largest gift ever given to a single church by a single individual, a guy gave one church $17 million, $17 million. And so my, my big deal on that one is, is, who is this guy, and does he want to move to Half Moon Bay? You know, those are the kinds of things. Man, you just think, wow, what can I do with a gift like that? You, you, you know? Well, what is this gift that Jesus is going to give? Verse 5, it says, in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, this is what we're supposed to wait for, you know? This is, this is, this is, the, this is the gift. And we have to kind of do a timeout here because we have to understand this whole concept of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit and what's he talking about and why is this so important and what's the deal and why is this worth way more than $17 million? Because Jesus, and here's the thread, a few weeks before spent a lot of time talking to his followers about this gift thing called the Holy Spirit that's going to come into them and come into their lives. In fact, he had a whole conversation on it. In the book of John, John records it because John was there. He says this, but I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, I'm going away, and I know it's going to be hard, but it's going to be better because the Holy Spirit that can be everywhere at once is going to come. Follow that? Jesus goes on. It says, and he, when he comes, 
will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Meaning the Holy Spirit can work on individuals' lives, convincing us and helping us understand that that's not right. Or that is right, righteousness, and also that there is a God, and he's great. And he takes up the ministry of Jesus, only as powerful in the world and moving within us. And so you put it all together, Jesus is going to go, the Spirit's going to come, it's going to move in people's hearts, it's going to convict them. When a person has the Spirit, the Spirit guides them into truth. And so the Holy Spirit is not some kind of vague, you know, impersonal force. Some people say, oh, I just kind of have this great feeling, this warm feeling on the inside. And that could be the Spirit, but there's a whole lot more to it than that. Jesus was God in the flesh, the second person of the triunity or the trinity of God. And the Holy Spirit is the third person in the unity of God. It is God the Spirit, present and real in the life of God. Of a believer, fully God, not an it. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit, being as personal as Jesus was, can be grieved in your life, can be made joyful, can be buried. Through the power of the Spirit, you love deeper, you forgive easier, you grow in patience faster, doors and opportunities open for you. You become more you. The Holy Spirit is the part of God that enters into your life when you become a Christ follower. Listen to what Jesus says. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So the question then would be, do you have the Holy Spirit in you? When you accept Christ, it comes in. He comes into you. And this is a spiritual reality of salvation in which God rebirths you or reborns you or makes you new. Have you ever felt tempted to just kind of re tempted, moved, prompted to reach out to somebody just to call them or send them a note, send them an email on how they're doing? Just because you care about them. That's the Holy Spirit moving in you. Or just you knew the right thing to do at the time. It just, it's just right for me to talk to this person. It's right for me to say these words. Or have you ever been talking to somebody about God? Maybe they got questions and God, and all of a sudden, verses begin to kind of come up to you that I've never even remember reading these verses, but all of a sudden, they're coming into my head. Where does that come from? That's the movement, the active power of God in your life. Felt a close connection with God as you worship. That like, man, this is like, there's a verse that says deep calling the deep. It's like this is really deep stuff, but it's calling to something deeper on the inside of my life. That's the Holy Spirit in you. Do non-Christ followers have the Holy Spirit? No, they don't. The Bible says if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. And then in Romans it says God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'd mentioned, you know, at Hume Lake, we got it like 80 kids are going up and, and, you know, kids and counselors and, and man, what's going to happen to them? You know, what's going to happen to them up there? I found this thing on, um, um, you know, you've been to a Christian camp. Here's signs, you know, you've been to a Christian camp. Kind of funny. You know, you've been to a Christian camp if you've ever had a crush on someone in the band. Okay. That always happens. Someone in the band, you know, you've been to a Christian camp because food tastes terrible at first then good at the end. That's true at camp, right? You know you've been to a camp if you have no sleep for the first three nights. You know you've been to a Christian camp if you wish your camp speaker was your pastor. 
<laughs> That's really true, okay. <laughs> Let it sink in. Nah, never mind, you guys. Wake up, you guys. You know you've been to Christian camp when you've worn the same underwear, pair of underwear for three days in a row. Now, what are, what's going to happen up there to camp to these kids? Well, we are praying, and what happens is God is moving in their lives. And the Holy Spirit is either going to be leading them to a place of salvation where they will understand and fully comprehend how much God loves them and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. They will be exposed to that. And there's something on the inside that's going to say, make that decision. And so parents, you have to understand that you'll want to have a conversation with your kids. Find out how does God work in your life? And this is how we kind of talk about it. How did God work in your life up there? And one will be the Holy Spirit is going to be moving these kids towards salvation to accept God in a personal, deep way. And if they'd already done that, God is going to then be moving in their life to challenge them to grow. Some of the kids going up have already accepted Christ, and the Holy Spirit is going to say, now is the time. Now is the time to break free from some of those temptations and from those stupid habits you got. Now is the time to make commitments that you can live your life every day now for me. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing there. And so here it comes in, 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 in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so what he's saying is there's going to be this locomotive plowing through this place and just blowing through, and you are going to be able to have the opportunity to begin to share everything throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, for, forever place. And the change will be the people of God in this world to change everything. How do you think a group of 11 guys who were pretty much uneducated and didn't have much skill apart from knowing how to mend nets and go fishing, how did they change the world? How did they change the world? That within 30 years of Jesus' resurrection, the Roman Empire, the known world at that point in time, was completely transformed, completely being changed. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And ordinary people like you start to do extraordinary things. And that's what the whole book of Acts is about. It's about people receiving power through the Holy Spirit and the power that changed their lives and it brought people back to God. So the story of Jesus is just the beginning. It's just part one. And part one is really cool. But part two is just as cool because it's now the movement of God in this world. And this is where Jesus was moving all, all the time. And see, when you read the book of Luke, you kind of end up with those 11 guys standing around. And you think, yeah, what's next, you know? Remember Lord of the Rings? You know, Lord of the Rings, I think it was one of them where, where they, they have to get the ring to Mordor and throw it in. If any of you Lord of the Rings fans, any of you guys, come on, it's okay, yeah, there you go. It's cool. I like it. I'll sit again and again and again. But anyway, um, Gandalf makes this great statement as, you know, Sam and Frodo are kind of wandering through and, and, and trying to figure out where to go and all this one. And he makes this great statement, and he says this. All our hopes now lie with two little hobbits. You know, he says it that way. Somewhere in the wilderness. And you see him, these tiny little features going on, and you just think, holy cow. All the hopes, all the hope of the whole Middle Earth lies with two little guys, you know, wandering in the wilderness. We kind of think all the hopes that we have is now centered upon 11 little guys. That's it. There's an old sermon story that I've, I've heard before. You may have heard it as well. Um, and it's a legend that Jesus had just returned to heaven and was talking to an angel. And the angel said, so what's next? You know, what's next? 
angel said, what's next? Does everybody know all about what you did for them? You know, dying on the cross and all that. And Jesus says, no, not yet. Just a handful of guys in Galilee. The angel said, well, what have you done? So everybody knows. Jesus says, well, I've asked Peter and James and John to tell others, and those who told will tell others, and, and so on. And the angel said, well, what if Peter and James and John get tired? And, and what if the people who come after them forget? And what if way down to the 21st century, people just don't tell others about you? What then, Jesus? Haven't you made any other plans? And the story goes, Jesus answered, I haven't made any other plans. It's all up to them. And you think, holy cow, this whole message of God working in the world is hanging by a thread, a thin thread. And if I don't do it, you know, what's going to happen? The whole thing is going to fall apart. And Jesus could say this, all my hopes lie with 11 little men sitting in Jerusalem. And the locomotive power of the Holy Spirit that's going to blow through the place and give them such incredible power that is going to just simply seep out and people are going to be changed because the Holy Spirit is now in the world going before them, convicting people, helping them understand their need for God. And God is going to be working through these guys and women to begin to say, man, I remember what Jesus said. I remember what Jesus did. And see, my life is changing and it will change your life as well. And that power is going to be so incredible that this thing is going to spread and spread and spread. And there's no doubt in Jesus' mind, and there's no doubt in God's mind, that this movement of God is going to take over the world because it takes over people's lives. And it is unstoppable, completely unstoppable. And God opened doors, and people changed, and they stood before authorities, and they, they said, you know what? We don't really care what you think about us. It doesn't matter. We're going to do what God tells us to do. I sometimes wonder, because we have quite a ministry going to you know, pray for people that are being martyred throughout the world, and man, it's brutal what they go through. And I always think, how do they do it? You know, how do they do it? How can you get martyred for something you believe? I mean, how, how long would I last? You know, I cut my fingernails too tightly, and I think I'm going through suffering and pain. All they got to do for me is bring fingernail trimmers out and say, we're going to trim it really short. And I'll go, okay, okay, I'll deny my faith, you know. I feel like I'm such a wimp. How do they stand up to that kind of stuff? How do you think? Holy Spirit in them at that point in time saying, it doesn't matter what you do to me. I will never deny my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. You see what it does? I think, what would I do? Would I cave? I don't know what I'd do. But I would pray that I would be like them, allowing God's Holy Spirit to be in my life to say, it doesn't matter what you do to me. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. What makes the train so powerful? Mass and density and movement. Those of you in physics know all that kind of stuff. What makes a church so powerful? It's not guys with guitars. It's not good music. It's not a building. It's not any of that stuff. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us and moves us to love and to help and to tell other people. Be able to say, hey, this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus did for me. And your life isn't going anywhere and you know it but my life is only because of Christ. And we look at the book of the Bible of Acts and you get an idea that they had an expectation that no day was going to be like the day before. That God is going to show up in every single opportunity that I have to tell other people and to talk to other people. And God is going to show up whenever I have an opportunity to show patience and kindness and love to somebody. That God's going to show up there and give me the power to do that. And so they were not surprised when an encounter happened when they shared their faith. 
God designed the circumstances. And, 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 and you and I are not standing on the side of some railroad bed wondering if our pennies are going to get flattened. We are to grab on to this thing that's unstoppable and be part of that movement, movement of God. And it happens one by one by one by one. We put together a little video of some of the people that have been sharing their stories on the back of your program. And um, it's a great little watch. And I'm going to invite you to just turn your attention to see how God has been working in the lives of individual people through his Holy Spirit. Let's watch the screen. If I told you my story, you would hear hope, they wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love, but never gave up. And if I told you my story, wasn't Isn't that cool? There's one question that remains unanswered. 
Who's this guy Theophilus? You know, who is he? Um, Paul wrote, I, or Luke wrote, I'm writing these things to you, Theophilus. It could be anybody. Um, it could be Luke's workout partner. It could be his chiropractor. It could be the guy who cut his hair. We don't know. The name Theophilus actually means this, one who loves God. Theophilus is somebody who loves God. And, and it, it could kind of mean anyone who loves God, anybody. Luke may have been writing to a specific guy in mind or anybody like you or like me. And so this story may have been written to his barber, but it also is written, I believe, to you and to me, saying this is for you. This is what you're about. This is what we're about. We're about the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives through Jesus Christ. And we become unstoppable in sharing the love of Christ around. And the message is Jesus Christ. The elements before you, um, and in the back, we have some trays in the back, would be called the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or Communion, depending upon your tradition. And we do this here at Mariners because it reveals the message that that is so important to us. The bread that you're going to be invited to take represents God, Jesus Christ, the second person of this unity of God, taking on flesh and blood and coming down for us. Jesus said, this is my body. Remember, remember, this symbolizes me coming down for you. And the cup symbolizes his blood shed for you. Somebody had to die for the wrongs you did. Somebody has to pay the penalty. I don't want to pay for my own penalty. I don't want to do that if I have another way out. And he gives us another way out. Jesus Christ died to pay your penalty. That's how much God loves you. Who can take the elements? Anybody can. If you're a believer, of course you're welcome. If you're not yet a believer, do you want to be? (laughs) This would be a great day to say, this is where I am crossing the line. To say I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. The one who died for me. And what's going to happen is I'm going to pray in a second. And then the worship team is going to be playing a song. And during that song, you're invited to come forward and take the elements. Go back. Hold on. Hold on to them so we can take together as a family. That's what we would do here. But let's take a moment and pray. Would you bow with me, please? If you're here this morning um, as a believer in Christ, you made a decision for him. Maybe you're thinking, ah, nah, I've, I've screwed up with this life of Jesus. I'm probably not worth worthy of taking this. That's the very reason you are worthy. Not because of what you've done, it's because of what he's done for you. And brokenness is what he, what he heals. If you're here this morning and you've never crossed that line, you've never made that decision, you're invited to. To willingly choose and say, by faith I am trusting. God loves me so much, he's willing to take away my sins through the blood of Jesus. And I believe that in my heart. And if you're praying that prayer, if you're feeling those thoughts right now, congratulations and welcome to the family. And Jesus, right now to you, we give you thanks and we do this to remember what you did for us. Bless this time, this moment. 